Welcome to Sophos Security Chat Chat number 208 for the 23rd of July, 2015. I'm your host, John Shire, broadcasting live from sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. And joining me today is Paul Ducklin. Good day, Paul. Hello, John. From the other side of the planet, under the glorious Southern Cross. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to be in, in Arizona at this time of year. It's uh, a balmy 39 degrees Celsius, hence the reason why I'm firmly indoors at this point in the day. I think I am going to start off with what is quickly becoming a new segment on the Chet Chat, and that is the crime and punishment segment. <laughs> We've got a few stories this week that involve various levels of crime and punishment. The first being the story of a Vietnamese national who was recently sentenced to 13 years for scooping up data on 200 million Americans. This was an interesting one. I think, uh, you know, it's, he pled guilty in March 2014, and uh, what he was providing was what is known as fulls, meaning... The works. Names, dates of birth, social security numbers, banking details, payment card, as you said, the works, right, uh, on, on his uh, victims, with the intent to sell those to others who would commit fraud using that information. Yes, a very big reminder that... When crooks get hold of data about you by fair means or foul, they don't have to be the guys who are going to go after you. Like in the old days, if one guy stole your car keys, another guy might drive off in your car. These days, if one guy gets your credit card number or your social security number or whatever, it might be somebody else who goes and takes money out of your account. Yeah, that's right. And and a lot of this fraud is done in the form of uh, tax return fraud, which is uh, quite a growing problem in the United States where uh, the the IRS says you know it's been the number one scam at least for the 2013 taxation year where it was estimated that uh, some 5 million dodgy returns were filed claiming around 30 billion in refunds of which 24 billion were actually stopped before being issued uh, which basically left 6 billion lost to these scammers so you know it's a really big sum and that's a double whammy sort of cybercrime isn't it firstly the crooks actually essentially steal money from society as a whole. They take it out of the taxation revenue pool. And secondly, you, if you're defrauded that way, are effectively left in a position that you've submitted a false return. What seems a pity to me is that the IRS in the US does have this sort of two-factor authentication. It's a mailed-out PIN, but it's not available to everybody. Yeah, in Canada, it's, it's much the same way as well, where the, your PIN is, is mailed to you via the old conventional mail system so that you can then file online. Obviously, that would be inconvenient for something that you did every day or every week or even every month. But given that you're generally doing tax returns once a year, it's not that onerous. You've got a whole year to get your hands on the PIN and store it somewhere in your house. Somebody who's into cybercrime who only has electronic access to your stuff is unlikely to get hold of it. Right. So in this case, uh, since this gentleman pled guilty and was now sentenced, uh, we can conclusively call him a crook. Now, in another story, uh, that of Lori Love, who was arrested and is now facing extradition to the U.S., uh, this is a 30-year-old uh, British man that was arrested back in October 2013 on allegations of hacking into uh, U.S. agencies, uh, including those of NASA, the U.S. Army, and the Federal Reserve so yeah, he's sitting there in, in the UK right now and fighting this extradition uh, for all of these alleged crimes. 
those of you who follow security news may recall the story of Gary McKinnon, who was in a, a similar situation some years back. Uh, he successfully fought that extradition based on some uh, medical appeal. This is the kind of story where the U.S. Justice Department was not pleased at all with the outcome of the McKinnon extradition attempt. And uh, you can bet they're probably going to go uh, at this guy a little bit harder this time around. You'd think so, particularly since from the evidence that seems to exist so far, and of course he is innocent until proved guilty, if he is the hacker that's claimed in the indictment documents from the US, it does look as though the intention was not just to go and take a look, it was to go and take a look, acquire information and do bad things with it. So I don't doubt that if he gets extradited, there is going to be a world of hurt. In the arrest, there was a bunch of equipment that was seized from Mr. Love that has since been returned to him. At least 25 of the 31 items that uh, the government had in its possession have been returned. So, yeah, it looks like they're hanging on to probably a few key pieces uh, for this extradition effort and, and possibly a future hearing in the United States. Maybe they figure, hey, if it takes us two or three years to get him back from the UK to the US, it gives us two or three more years to try and crack some of the encryption keys. Well, that's just it, isn't it? There was some question as to whether the government was actually able to access some of that data due to the strong encryption that he was using. So finally, the other crime and punishment story that we have this week is that of the takedown of the underground form Darkode or Dark Ode, however you wish to pronounce that. Uh, this is one of these underground forums where you can trade in all sorts of nefarious things such as uh, botnets, PII, zero-day exploits, and malware. Yes, it's sort of the Silk Road for digital contraband, isn't it? Instead of buying drugs, you buy access to a botnet, for example. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, although, as, as we state in the article, you know, there are, by some accounts, over 800 criminal forums worldwide, this was allegedly the place to go for any English-speaking cyber crooks, according to the Europol uh, report. Dark Code was a, an exclusive club. Uh, you had to actually be vouched for by an existing member. Uh, it's reported that some of the Lizard Squad hackers were actually uh, included in this membership. And as a result of the takedown, in, which involved around 20 countries, uh, there were 28 arrests. So what's interesting about this and the way it ties back to some of the other stories as you mentioned earlier, you know, the people that are stealing the data aren't necessarily the people that are using the data. And this is a great example of, of that, where you've got this underground forum that's trading in things like PII, which uh, was part of the first story. Yes, I guess the, the good news is the cops were able to infiltrate this, work out who was running it and go and nab him and a bunch of other guys. And that also means that the servers that they were actually using to allow the crook, the wannabe crooks to communicate has been shut down. If you visit now, you get a nice uh, law enforcement warning saying, ho, 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 <laughs> the club's shut. <laughs> Sorry, chaps. Unfortunately, as you said, you know, this is only one of many. So in the same way that when law enforcement shut down the infrastructure that let the crypto locker ransomware work, it stopped that family of ransomware, which was great. Sadly, other crooks rose to fill the void. Yeah, well, that's just it. So, you know, the fact that this may be a drop in the bucket, it's still a drop. And, and we do need to keep on with our efforts of, of discovering, uncovering these, uh, these types of sites and, and getting rid of them as, as often as we can. Well, three, as you said, you know, this is becoming a re recurring theme. 
uh, three drops in one bucket of a chat chat is more than we probably would have had to talk about two or three years ago. So well done to everyone involved in trying to stop the crooks sharing data in a way that hurts the rest of us. In another related story, there was an article published on Naked Security this week, which summarizes a paper by our own Fraser Howard on the Angler exploit kit. Um, the reason I call it related is because, you know, some of these cyber forums do trade in things like exploit kits, or at least uh, they provide a way for people to purchase the services of the ones that are creating these kits. Yes, to explain, an exploit kit is essentially an entire malware distribution network, if you like. You know, if you're a musician who's recorded a song and you want to get it out to everybody, you go somewhere like iTunes. If you're a crook and you've written malware and you want to get it onto as many computers as possible, for example, to send out spam or to suck in ransomware payments, you go to an exploit kit crew uh, who run a whole load of hacked servers on your behalf that try to automate the process of finding victims and installing your malware so you can take the next step. And so Fraser has actually gone from top to bottom with this whole Angler exploit kit. The reason he chose Angler is it's kind of the market leader, if you can talk in those terms, about the malware distribution industry and almost all of it on other people's servers. So the crooks are using your infrastructure and your bandwidth and your internet goodwill to actually help other crooks foist malware onto innocent victims. As a result, it's a fascinating read. I highly recommend it. Easy to find. Go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com and look for the article with a picture of an anglerfish and click on it. So in a final story this week, let's talk about Facebook. I think it's safe to say that Facebook has really turned its image around of late. For a long time, people decried Facebook as uh, this, this sort of evil giant company that took all your data and sold it to everybody and uh, you know, basically didn't take care with your privacy and your personal information. But uh, over the course of the, the last few years, I think Facebook has dramatically bolstered their security. Uh, they have, to my knowledge, uh, never been infiltrated or hacked or had anything leaked. Well, I've certainly never seen a database on the, one of the drop sites with 700 million Facebook password hashes in it. Right. So as far as we can tell, that hasn't happened. Uh, and, and this week, there's another story where Facebook is, is apparently going to bat for their users. Article the 6th in the US Bill of Rights. The right of the people to be secure against unreasonable searches and seizures. You know, Facebook were faced, I think, in 2013 by a claim from prosecutors in New York, that's the state, not the city, saying, hey, look, we're checking, we're, we're cracking down on benefits cheats. We've got this bunch of guys that have claimed uh, disability payouts. But as far as we can see, when you look on the, their social networking pages, there they are on the beach or jet skis or taking part in karate competitions. Meanwhile, you know, they're supposed to be incapacitated, permanently incapacitated in bed. So we want to prosecute them and get the money back. And uh, therefore, we want you to hand over a whole lot of data, 381 users worth, apparently. And uh, Facebook kind of ended up saying, well, we don't want to hand it over. They sort of handed it over under protest in 2014. The next stage ended uh, this week. Uh, a year later, 2015, with the New York Appeals Court saying, actually, it's not about the warrants or whether they should have been served. It's about the fact that it's not for Facebook 
to go to bat for its users for the Fourth Amendment. They need to go to bat for themselves one at a time. So Facebook can't say we're not handing this over because of the Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search. You hand over the data and then each person it's used against can go and say this data shouldn't be allowed in their individual case. So this is one of those interesting stories where we were having a bit of trouble making up our minds as to sort of which side of the fence we, we were sitting on. You know, this is 62 people out of 381. So it's not like it's, you know, a thousand people out of a million. And, you know, they actually managed to recover $25 million of, uh, of public money because of these uh, charges and, and because of the, the, the information they uncovered by looking at the data on Facebook. Then again, you know, were the other 381 minus 62 people notified post hoc of, of the event? Uh, you know, if they weren't charged, were they actually notified that their data had been shared with the state? And yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where does the benefit of the, the, the masses outweigh the privacy of, of quite a low number of citizens in the state of New York? Is the balance right? I wrote that article on naked security. I don't normally like writing articles where I don't know the answer. And then I say at the end, well, you come and tell me what I should think. But I've done that in this particular article, because like you, I'm not quite sure. It seems that $25 million that had essentially been stolen from state coffers by people lying about the fact that they were ill. Uh, that's a lot of money. And the state jolly well deserves to get it back. And where else to look other than social networking sites? On the other hand, I also don't want to live in a society where what you give to somebody's website is just automatically and too easily made available to law enforcement to do with it what they will. Did the New York Appeals Court get the balance right in this case? Come and have your say. Well, one thing we can be certain about is that uh, the lawyers on both sides are definitely going to benefit and prosper from this little exercise. Yes, yeah, someone already commented that of that 25 million, I wonder how much actually remained in state coffers and how much went to uh, oil the wheels of the legal process. So regardless of the outcome, it's great to see that, that the large companies out there who do handle our data aren't afraid to stick their nose uh, into the fray with the government every once in a while when they feel that uh, maybe bounds are being overstepped. And so on that positive note, I will conclude Sofo Security Chatless Chat number 208. For all your security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, the TuneIn app, and soundcloud.com slash sophosecurity. And until next time, stay secure.